He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands! Battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. No! And now, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hey, we're back. It's Star Trek Monthly Monday number 18. Star Trek Monthly Monday has now reached its legal age <laughs> as of as of this month. And I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with Scott Gardner. Hi. And How's it going? We are two true freaks. How you doing? And how are you? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. It's an interesting Star Star Trek month. We've got two sort of forms of advanced consciousness fucking with the Enterprise and some more mirror image. Well, you know, I realized something as I started to watch the Next Gen episode that once again, and you know, we don't plan this shit. No. You know, we, we keep telling the people we are telling the truth. Yeah, we, we pick the classic episode with a random number generator. So there is no foreplanning to this at all. But I got to thinking, you know... Once again, inadvertently, God, that is a tough word to say, inadvertently, um, there is kind of a sort of topic of creatures taking over. You know, you got the pizza creatures in the one and you got the the cloud thingy in the other one, but it's basically creatures taking over somebody's brains. Yes. Cool. There's even a little bit of brainage going on in uh, in the comic that we're talking about, so that's kind of cool, too. Oh, you're right. You're right. There sure is. Okay, smart like that. I okay, noticed these things. It's Star Trek. There's a lot of brain stuff <laughs> happening in Star Trek, I guess. This is going to be kind of a weird one, only because we're recording right in the middle of the freaking day, which just never happens. Yeah, and so I, it always makes me a little bit loopy. I don't know why that is. And it just, it's weird. You're just sort of sitting there with your with the mail sack with your mail sack in your hand. Ah, no way. <laughs> Um, can you, you see me? Is my up. webcam on? Yeah, I'm sorry. Let me, hang really on. Let me go put some pants on <laughs> real quick. You should really assume that, uh, yeah. That that just, Whoa, let me close that yeah, browser please, window. Please okay, do. we should be good now. Oh, much better. <laughs> That's disgusting. That's the first thing I do is turn that shit off, man, before <laughs> this is an audio medium. <laughs> Well, let's see. Where the hell do we want to start? Oh, I know exactly where we need to start. I need to start 
with a great big thank you to a uh, good friend of the show, Miss, uh, Mrs., I guess. How, how do you... How do you do yeah, it I these guess days? Be, yeah, I guess it would be Mrs. Yeah, I don't know what the politically correct thingy is anymore, but I guess it would be Mrs. Janet Gerard, wife of Gil Gerard, Buck Rogers from uh, TV when we were a kid. She uh, contacted me uh, kind of out of the blue. We've been staying sort of kind of in touch every every so often we uh, communicate back and forth. But she kind of caught me off guard the other day just out of the blue. She was like, hey, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. Uh, let's get together. I've had these Star Trek things in the trunk of my car for months and months, and I'm just ready to get them the hell out of my house, basically. So we got together and <laughs> I told her when we when we met up and she opened the trunk, you know, she said she had some Star Trek books. So I'm thinking, you know, like a box of books, you know, I don't know, maybe a dozen books or something like that. She opens the trunk of her car, and it's literally filled to the brim with Star Trek books, comics, magazines. She gave me some original art. I mean, just all this stuff. And she's like, here, take it. I just want to get rid of it. You know, Gil wants it out of the house. They're doing something to their house. I forget what she said it was. Uh, well, he some was sort talking of like... about they were doing some renovations yeah. when we saw him at Dragon Con. That's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, this is some something to do with energy. I forget what she said. It's like an energy something. I'm sorry, I, like I can't remember. I like how we go to comic conventions and we we you know we talk to talk to somebody and we end up talking about like lawn mowing and. <laughs> and uh, I think that's why electrical. they liked talking to us because we weren't like you know going up. And remember in that episode when when you had that pair of pants on well, and, yeah, and I, what was in the pockets? You know, it's like. I, dude, that was shit was 30 years ago. I don't fucking remember. Well, you know, we any, weren't like I, that. I mean, you know? yeah. I mean, I already know that. I don't have to go up to him and say, hey, <laughs> you're... It's like that Chris Farley sketch that they used to have on Saturday Night Live where he'd have, you know, he'd have some huge celebrity on, you know, like he had Paul McCartney on once and, you know, he would be like, you remember that song you did, Let It Be, you know? That was great, right? <laughs> and then oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. You know, that's basically what these guys are doing <laughs> all day, you know. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I actually, mean, I, I literally really find Gil Gerard's more renovations on his house more interesting than Buck mm -hmm. Rogers, really, to tell you the truth. Although I like yeah. Buck Rogers. If, if he was telling me all sorts of great behind-the-scenes stuff and stuff like that, that might be fascinating, but I don't know. I, yeah, it's... No, I mean, I, I was going to say the same thing. I, I Everybody that we talked to, I felt exactly the same way. I was more interested to talk to them and about their lives and what was going on. You know, what, what are you into right now? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're on Star Trek or whatever, but I know you're probably sick to death of talking about it. So tell me something else, you know? And I think for the most part, they really, they liked that. You know, they didn't have to put on the professional face, you know? They didn't have to, well, when I was on Star Trek, it was like this. You know, they, they could just, you know, let their hair down and, and just enjoy a, a real human being conversation. I, I liked that. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Which is so ironic coming from us. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. But uh, anyway. Anyway, that's uh, Long story sort of short, she totally yeah. hooked me up. Um, I mean, just a ton, a ton of stuff. And I mean, I, novels. And, and by and proxy, big... I got hooked up, too, because... yes. Yes, you did. And and I just want to say to her that she did a good job. They definitely got into a home where they'll be appreciated. Well, she uh, she gave me uh, her blessing to pass along um, anything that was duplicates, and uh, you know, with there being well over a hundred and five books alone that she gave me, and I have a pretty decent uh, collection as far as like classic Trek stuff, anyway. 
So there were some duplicates, um, a pretty sizable stack of duplicate things. Like I say, she gave me her blessing. Yeah, so keep your ear open. We will be having some contests down the road, and we will be giving away some Trek stuff as prizes for contests. So I don't have anything planned at the moment, but when we get that all ciphered out, uh, we'll be doing that. We'll be sending you some uh, some Star Trek swag. So uh, like I say, keep your ears open for that. And again, thank you to Janet Gerard. That was so awesome. So very kind of you. Uh, I mean, I, I'm having trouble picking my favorite thing just because she hooked me up with so much awesome stuff. One of the things I forgot to tell you about, Chris, because um, I forgot, I actually left it in the car. It was the first thing she handed me. And uh, because it was glass, she was like, uh, you know, go ahead, go sit that in your car for a minute and then come back over. So I walked over, put it in the car. Well, then I ended up forgetting about it because I put it in the drink holder and I just kind of forgot about it. And it wasn't until like a day or two ago when I got back in my car to go somewhere. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. And what it is, it was it's a bottle of Romulan ale. Ooh, she said she didn't even remember where she got it from, but it was it's really cool. It's it's it kind of almost like a beer bottle type of thing, but it's you know it's got the official label on it. It's never been opened the whole nine y- yards. She was like, I don't know that I would drink that. I was like, Oh no no no, I'm too I'm too geeky to actually open it or anything for like the you know the the value of it or anything like that. But I just thought that was really cool, but. Probably the biggest thing, honestly, was uh, was the original art, because there's so many really cool connections to it. It's two pages of original art. It's pages. Hang on, let me look. Pages 24 and 25 of Alf, number uh, I think it was 40, yeah, 42. And uh, what's cool about it is is that it's a parody of Star Trek, of classic Star Trek. It's Alf, you know, poking fun at Star Trek. And it's signed by the uh, the artist, and it's signed to Walter Koenig. And I just think that that's a trip. You know, she wound up with it somehow. I guess Walter must have given it to her, because it turns out that she and her husband are good friends with uh, Walter Koenig and his wife. And uh, so I thought that was really cool. And we actually talked a little bit about uh, uh, about Walter. I was just curious, you know, since they are friends, how how he and his wife were doing, you know, how they were holding up since the, you know, the tragedy in their lives. All I would say is keep those cards and letters of support yeah. going in that direction. I would say that would be, yeah, that'd be really nice. But uh, so awesome of her to, to hook us up with all that stuff. Very, very kind of her. And uh, yeah. So real quick, let's go into some listener feedback. Yeah, dip into that sack, man. <laughs> Not with you listening. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we got one from uh, from Trent Thornton. I like this one. It's entitled TOS versus everything else. Uh-huh. He says, hello, Scott and Chris. He says, I've only started listening to Two True Freaks. As I told Scott in an email on his Tales of the JSA podcast, I'm only an at-best casual Trek fan. Well, that's all right, dude. He says, that said, everyone has an opinion about Star Trek, sometimes two or three. And I've got to come down on the side of sticking with the original series. I enjoy other iterations of Trek, uh, TNG, the movies, etc. But something about the original series just hits closer to home somehow. I can't explain it. My hope is that this opinion carries uh, some weight given that the original series ended its run about 15 or 16 years before I was even born, and the next generation is more, quote-unquote, my generation. 
I don't know, maybe it's the differences, differences between the captains. If Picard met the leader of some previously undiscovered alien species, we'd probably get uh, scene after scene of him meeting with her, trying to establish diplomatic relations and set up some kind of entry point into the Federation. Entry Kirk? point. Yeah. Kirk would fuck her. Yeah, entry point. <laughs> so I say... Go with what works. Stick with just TOS. Trent Thornton. I love this email. It cracked me up when I read it. And uh, thank Trent, you, Trent. Trent Thornton, your name, I, you have an awesome name, too. You sound like, you know, a, a millionaire somewhat, you know, Trent Thornton. <laughs> Renegade millionaire. Okay, our next one is from our good buddy, <laughs> Mayhi Chun. And uh, this one is uh, entitled Podcast Feedback. He gets right to the point. This is Two True Freaks. I am answering your call in episode 104 for more email feedback. I agree with your observation that the main reason why our Kirk and crew uniforms were swapped for the Mirror Universe outfits was to keep the story from unraveling at the start of the episode. Searching for a no-prize answer, I thought that perhaps only biological matter was transferred between universes uh, in that specific transporter process, similar to how most Terminators have to time travel encased in flesh arriving without clothing or weapons. I, I guess I could go with that. Sure. <laughs> he says, I think of the Mirror Universe more, of an, uh, more as an alternate universe where events have unfolded in a different manner rather than op- in an opposite universe where everyone good is bad and vice versa. In a, la- a later issue of the DC Comics Mirror Universe arc, Mike W. Barr does, in fact, postulate a point in time in which history diverged to cause the formation of the Empire rather than the Federation. And I think it works as well as any other explanation. Oh, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. I, I have to be honest, I haven't been uh, really perusing the uh, the letters pages very heavily in the, these issues, but I'll have to keep an eye out for that because I, I will be curious to know, uh, you know what he, uh, what he right. would go back to or whatever. That sounds interesting. This IDW printed a miniseries which actually shows the early days of the Mirror Universe Enterprise with Kirk plotting to take over Pike's position. I bought the first two issues on sale, but the regular $3.99 price tag dissuaded me uh, completing the story. You know, there was also, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the name of it was, but I'm pretty sure it's when Marvel had the license the second yes, time. I remember that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I remember Bearded Spock being on the cover of it. I don't know that I have it, but I, I remember it. I, I, Did you? I remember that specifically. I never read it, but I remember I, when it came out. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if you had read it. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. I'm, I might be interested to check. I may actually have it and just can't remember if I do or not, but I know I've seen it anyway. But, uh, yeah, I'd be curious to check that out. Maybe uh, maybe I'll hunt that up in CBR or something for next for next episode if I get time. Um, he says, great job on the uh, audio extras on episode 104. The commercial with William Shatner selling frozen foods was terrific, as was the Be Me Up Scotty song. Yeah, I love that song. I Leia's theme with lyrics was a great find. Where did that come from? That actually came from a listener. Um, I'd and, never heard that before. And uh, you didn't really mention it on the show, but that's Sean Cassidy singing it. Yes, yes. Singing well, it was a lot a, like a girl. Static. I mean, that was like one of those 11th hour things where as I was like right. finishing up the editing of that show, 
of that episode, you sent me, you, you were like, hey, somebody sent us something, you know, that you'll probably get a kick out of. And I just kind of slapped it onto the end of the episode. So I'm glad that, you know, that it worked well and, and fit right in. But yeah, I didn't really even have time to commented on it or anything yep. but yeah I, I enjoyed cassidy. it i actually thought it was pretty good it, pretty cool it, when you saw the name sean cassidy on it it immediately was just like oh god well oh it was god. but then i ended up kind of liking it, it was it wasn't bad it was for <laughs> that that theme the melody of that theme fits an overblown you know operatic love <laughs> ballad you know and that's exactly what it is and i smell roddenberry's yeah. lyrics all over that well, it's a lot better than the lyrics to Star Trek, the but, Star Trek theme, though. Yeah, but still, <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, <still>. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mayi continues, he says, uh, and don't think that I missed the flatulent sound effects you snuck onto the promo for where no one has gone before after your funny discussion about what uh, could have caused everyone's gastrointestinal distress on the cover of Star Trek number 10. Well, Mayi, you, you deserve a prize just for noticing that because if anybody else noticed it, they did not comment on it. And it's it snuck in there very subtly, but I'm, I'm glad somebody uh, actually... It's a one-cheek sneak. It, it was a one-cheek sneak, yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I'm glad you brought up what a shame it was that the post-TOS Star Trek series seldom had music series plural um seldom had music as memorable as what accompanied the original series especially since it was due to a mandate from higher up it's interesting to ponder how much better all those series would have been if the composers had been given more free reign to create melodies as beloved as the ones from tos which we can still hum today take it easy may chan i absolutely agree with that yeah uh, i i think that uh all of the series, all of the post TOS series, would have benefited greatly because even look at uh, look at the animated Star Trek series. Sure, again, that had music that was very memorable. That that you know has become uh, iconic to a lot of people that grew up with that. I know. Mm-hmm. I wish I could. I wish that music was available. I would. Lo- I just love it. I know. I, I keep looking, but I, I never do see anything. I, I keep holding out the hope that there'll be an album out one of these days. What I'd love to see is a, is a filmation album yeah some of that music i'm almost positive wound up in other shows oh, ended the, up, i definitely ended up in tarzan i remember that yeah. for sure yeah because i'd love to hear uh, i'd love to get the star trek filmation music and the uh in the uh shazam live action series uh music as well because I, I like that and even that show may have possibly reused some of the stuff that was used in star trek i'm not positive but it, uh, much of it sounds very similar anyway, but yeah, I really I really get a kick out of that stuff. Okay, the last one that uh, we're doing for today is uh, entitled Star Trek Monthly Monday, and it's got a bunch of question marks. <laughs> this is from Gabriel Jimenez. Hey guys, my name's Gabriel, and I'm Smog from the forums. Hey, how's it going, man? He says, well, I heard your call to action today as I was listening to the latest Star Trek Monthly Monday episode, so here's me sending you an email. What grabbed my attention was your questioning why people listen to your show. I've listened to you guys for a while, and I really can't say why I first started with your show. Uh, Maybe one of you did an appearance somewhere or uh, from a forum post. I have an idea that alternate reality had something to do with it, but I'm not sure. Basically, I like the way you guys get along. I think both of you are pretty cool cats and have interesting things to say. I particularly like uh, that you don't give a shit about what anyone 
would say when you're giving your opinions. You're very straightforward, and I'll admit a good deal of the time I don't agree with you guys, but you're still entertaining to listen to. The particular reasons I listen to Star Trek Monthly Monday are knowledge and nostalgia. Before, when you were doing uh, only doing classic Star Trek, I had some idea of what the history of the series and the episodes were. I saw several episodes as a kid, but I'll be honest and admit it's been years since I've taken the time to see a whole episode. I do learn a lot by your analysis of the episodes and the comics. Uh, I've only read two Star Trek comics in my life. Since you started with uh, The Next Generation, I listened for the nostalgia factor. TNG is my Star Trek. I love TNG, he says. I think I've seen just about all of those episodes. I watched them as a kid when they were in syndication on the local Fox affiliate and couldn't get enough of it. I love all the characters. Hell, I don't mind Wesley uh, that much even. With the exception of the blonde old doctor that replaced Beverly for a while. Ah, says I can't stand her. You know, nobody seems to like her but me. I, I, I swear to God, I think I'm the only uh, Dr. Pulaski fan in the whole world. I actually like her a hell of a lot better than Dr. Crusher, but we'll get into that way down the road. Says I love the facts. Uh, I love the fact that you guys are going through all the TNG episodes in order. It's a trip down memory lane. Yeah, I don't know how we could really do that show and not do those in order, just because they do seem to build. You know, story arcs build. Yeah, yeah. Unlike uh, Star, you know, the original Star Trek, because that's just how shows were back then. You know, you could turn on an episode of Barnaby Jones, and anything could be going on because it didn't necessarily build one upon another. You know, you weren't lost. Yeah, exactly. You know, whereas today, you know, if you jump into Lost in, you know, the middle of the third season, then you literally are lost. You don't know what the hell's going on. You know, they're they're not made to be, you know, TV shows just aren't made that way anymore unless they're like, you know, some goofy sitcom or something like that. Yeah. Since I listen to to basically all of your shows, but Star Trek Monthly Monday uh, are probably my favorite. The Star Wars ones are pretty good, but as time goes on, I find my interest in that universe to decrease. I personally blame the majority of that to the prequels. I was very disappointed with them, and I guess I lost my respect for Lucas and the handling of the franchise. I, I hear this quite often, actually. <laughs> says, I enjoy parts of Comics Monday, but I'm looking forward to how the revamp of that show turns out. Uh, so are we. <laughs> says, I also listen to Back to the Bins and Tales of the JSA. On those episodes, I like the interaction between Michael and Scott. I love the cameos. And if uh, those shows tie into any uh, Two True Freak shows. And that's the reason I listen to Tales of the JSA, as I have very little interest in that supergroup. I'll admit that I was kind of glad that Zero Hour killed off most of those characters. What? Oh, that's harsh, dude. He says sorry, though. Uh, anyways, just enough uh, of this for now. Just wanted to thank both Scott and Chris for the great work they do, the energy that is shown. Your podcasts are probably the best edited and scored. Yes. And all that in the biz. And You're your welcome. Yes. You guys rock. Laters, he says. And this was from Gabriel Jimenez. Thank you so much. You don't know. You literally don't know how much emails like that brighten my day, make my day. Because uh, although we will read them when they when they come along, um, as we haven't often in the past, we do occasionally get the emails that bust on us too. You know that, and I take that shit so hard. I know I shouldn't, but I do. So it's the ones like this. You that, all know that, how I feel about those letters. Keep them coming yeah. in. Just aim them right at me. I love it. 
You're such a bastard. Send them my way. But these are the ones I like. I, I like the ones that, you know, especially when they acknowledge the 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 work that goes into the show. Because it is work. I mean, it really is. It sounds like we're just all laughs and giggles and having a great time. But when it comes to the editing and the scoring and all, yeah, it is. And yeah, we have it, scars on out. our ears from the headphones and <laughs> hemorrhoids from sitting in our comfy chairs. There you go. It's terrifying. Exactly. But thank you to everyone who continues to uh, write in on the emails. We will continue to address them because I like them. And with that, let's go into uh, what are we going into? We're going into Star Trek, the original, the original series. series, Operation Annihilate. Captain's Log, Stardate 3287.2. The course of mass insanity we have tracked across the galaxy seems to have already touched Deneva. They're here! They're here! You have to tell us what happened, Ariel. Things. Horrible things. Don't let them go any further. Ah. I'm a Vulcan. There's no pain. I'm also quite blind. While attending a demonstration in radiology, student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the arachnid's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. Stan Lee presents... Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Welcome to Amazing Spider-Man Classics, where every month I and some friends will be discussing every book, every guest appearance, and every cameo we can find of our favorite web slinger, The Amazing Spider-Man. Are you tired of arguing over whether Ben Riley should have taken over the webs? Do you grow weary of the brand new day with all of its controversy? Then return with us to the early days. Return with us to the classics. Amazing Spider-Man Classics at Amazing Spider-Man. Dot Libsyn dot com. To him, life is a great big hang-up. Wherever there's a hang-up, you'll find a Spider-Man. Star Trek, the game. A game so challenging, you need this combat control panel to play it. Launch photons, fire your phasers, engage warp speed, blast Klingons and alien saucers on your way to the ultimate enemy, Nomad. Is it the most challenging game in the galaxy? It's inhuman. Star Trek from Sega. 
Get a free Star Trek poster when you play Sega's Star Trek at any Musicland store. Okay. Operation Annihilate, episode number 29 of Star Trek, the original series. And I have the synopsis straight out of the Star Trek compendium. In this one, it says, The planet Deneva, a current home of Captain Kirk's brother and his family, is in the path of an interplanetary epidemic of mass insanity. (laughs) (laughs) Approaching the planet, the Enterprise intercepts a radio message from a Denovan pilot who deliberately steers his ship into the sun in a successful attempt to escape an unknown danger. What it doesn't say is that he dies doing this, though. Yeah, but that can pretty much be assumed. Yeah. Beaming down uh, with a landing party, Kirk discovers his brother, George Samuel Kirk, dead, his sister, Arelan, dying, and his nephew, Peter Kirk, unconscious. Deneva has been invaded by bat-like aliens. It says bat-like aliens. I'm telling you, you know what they look like? They look like pizza rolls that have been microwaved like five minutes too long is exactly what they look like. We'll go into those when we hit my notes on on, on what they look like. It says, invaded by bat-like aliens that intertwine with human nervous systems, manipulating their victims with excruciating pain. McCoy remembering... agony. <laughs> McCoy, remembering the Denovan who flew into the sun, begins to theorize about the creatures. Spock, infected by the invaders, volunteers to be McCoy's guinea pig and is temporarily blinded by exposure to intense light. McCoy discovers the light intensity needed to kill the creatures and a chain of trigger. Trimag. Oh, trimagnesite. Okay. Thank you, Reed. Trimagnesite satellites is orbited to free the Denovans from their nightmare. Trimagnesite. <laughs> and that's this episode, Operation Annihilate. Now, like I said, I was reading this out of uh, the Star Trek compendium. Chris and I compared notes uh, during the break and realized we both own the Star Trek compendium. And this was one of the books uh, donated to the show by uh, Janet Gerard. So... I'm announcing our first ever Two True Freaks Star Trek Monthly Monday contest. And uh, if you go to twotruefreaks.libson.com when this episode airs and look there, there will be some trivia questions up on that site. Send us an email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Put the word Star Trek contest or something similar in the subject line, please, just so that I know that you're uh, applying for the contest. Answer the trivia questions that are be up there that are up there, and it's first come first serve. Whoever correctly answers those questions will win th- this copy of the Star Trek Compendium. And I say we'd be assholes about it too, and try to get some questions that you can't just do a Google search and find <laughs> out. You know what I mean? Go to like some sort of Treklopedia or something. I think at least one of the questions. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think one of the questions I'm going to try to make it two true freaks specific to where you had what to have the heard. birthmark on Chris's ass shaped like. <laughs> God, I don't even know that. Um, and I'm proud that I don't know yeah, that. Yeah. Let me just add that right away. Um, but you know, just something that that indicates that you actually have been following along at home, playing along at home. It's a trick question. The birthmark's actually on my inner thigh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, 
uh, Operation Annihilate. Now, right off the bat, I noticed that, uh, sadly, I, I'm pretty sure that all of the music in this episode was a recycle. Used, I don't think, yeah, I think yeah. so, too. Yeah, I was, I was a little bit disappointed by that, although it, you know, it, it is used to awesome effect. Yeah, it's all the, the best dramatic, you know, music to, you know, fight music and, yeah, and creepy music, so... I have no complaints over that, you know. They, mm-hmm. you, you can't get it brand new in all of them. I'll, I'll go, I'm going to jump right on to what these pizza... We've always called them the pizza creatures. Pizza creatures. Since we were little kids. Mm-hmm. But as I looked at them again, and, and once again I'm watching the remastered version of yeah. it, which really didn't, doesn't do an awful lot to it, but just... Oh no up. way, dude! That part where they dumped the buoys in orbit was fucking well, that cool. Was, that was that was that was like the big effect sequence for this one. Yeah, but it doesn't, you know. And and I like the way that they portrayed the guy's um, ship going into the sun, and the sun was very realistic. So they they jazz up the planets, the starships, and stuff. But you know they don't. You know, there's I don't think there's anything you could do. As a matter of fact, those those pizza creatures were so obviously like rubber props that one of the characters you know even one of the well she wasn't a red shirt she was a red skirt the red yeah. skirt uh, <laughs> on the planet with them actually looked at him and goes it, it doesn't even look real <laughs> what the hell was her function by the way it was to be really pretty and go it doesn't even look real <laughs> okay. All right. I'll buy that. And she had another line up on the on the bridge just to you know just to she was you know probably just that you know they needed an extra to to fill in those lines or whatever. So I don't I don't know. You know what those things look like? They look like they were made out of the stuff they make those gel bike seats out of. And if like a gelled bike seat had sex with a um. Uh, like you know, one of the um, saline drip bags that you get at the emergency room. You know, I've and, never seen a gelled uh, bike seat. I guess I just don't get out enough. Or yeah, I'm, a, I'm a bike rider, so that's immediately what it sort of that that sort of you know spongy gel material that they is make it the, like jo- Doctor Souls for your ass, basically sort of things. Yeah, I that, need that, man. I tried to ride Scotty's ten speed uh, last summer and. Oh Jesus! Did my ass bone hurt after that for like a week, man? Yeah, they make. <laughs> so I need Doctor Souls inserts for my. They, for they, my they make crack. big old. They're, they're they're kind of obscene. They're almost like a breast implant or something like that. You know, they're awesome. they're that weird. It's almost got a, you know, it's gel, but it's got to look. But they look like you know the baby of that and a and a you know hospital bag and the and a white head. <laughs> All mixed together, and, and when you first hear them, they're making one cheek sneak fart noises too. Yes, like they're like a dolphin, but they're going <laughs> like these little. When they're walking down the stairs, and you hear the very first one go, it it's does like a gag like... reel. It's like a gag reel or something. You know, I was just like, oh, really? But they they stopped doing that early on, which made me think maybe they did it on purpose. Or maybe they realized that, that that was eliciting laughs where you're not really you're supposed to be in suspense. What's gonna happen? What's gonna jump out at them? And well, instead yeah. I found myself chuckling because Captain Kirk just snuck one, you know. Millions of people's lives are at stake, so let's dispense with the fart jokes, shall we? Well, it doesn't help either that one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time is the one where they where they dubbed in Kirk ripping a fart on the Enterprise bridge as he sits down either. It's that one where I think he sits on a tribble or something. 
Or yeah. say it does something where he sits down and is like, oh my back. Of, yeah. Oh no, it's shore leave because it has that really hot redhead in the in the red skirt there, and he sits down and like his back is aching. Yeah, and he and gets that's, a little they, back rub. Yeah, and that's in you know because he sits down and he like holds his back, and that's exactly the part where somebody dubbed in a fart. But it's not like a like over the top like <laughs> kind of fart. It's more like a like a genuine one cheek sneak kind of fart, like <laughs> just a little thing. But it's freaking hysterical. <laughs> I know I'm infantile. But it all started. I, it all I started. That, I just laugh my ass off. Somebody made a movie of that preacher Robert Tilton, and who always was screwing up his face and hopping up and down, and one of his cameraman got sick of listening to him and saved all of them and, and dubbed farts into him and you know it made the <laughs> rounds of the underground in the in the 70s and the 80s and I think that inspired a lot they're, they're on all you have to do is go preacher farts on YouTube and you can see all the videos now they but they you know they used to be you'd get a VHS of them but enough about farts oh you can never talk enough about <laughs> farts dude what one of my notes is bad public art. And, I, and that's how they had to do it in those days when they had to do outdoor shots and like colonies and stuff. They had to find some place that like I, I'm thinking this was probably a university or something, you know, or it's yeah, it uh, it still exists. According to Wikipedia, I looked it up because what I was actually looking up was not so much where it is, but uh, there's one shot. And I hope I, I hope you know what I'm talking about. I think they only showed it twice in the episode and it was very brief both times. But when they first get down to the planet. And, you know, they're walking along. And like you say, it looks very much like a university or something. But then there's an, a different shot of some stairs. And the and the mob, the angry mob, comes running down yes. these stairs. And the building that's behind them looks exactly like one of the buildings from near the, the big fiery climax to conquests uh, of the Planet of the Apes. You know, that scene where, where what the hell is probably his name? Is. Sir, I think leads the revolt you yeah, know they're yeah. all the apes are dressed in the green uniforms and and it's where the war starts basically and that was at like century city or somewhere like that and i i don't know that it is the same building or one of the same buildings but it sure as hell looks like it to me but then again it's been a long time since i've seen conquest of the planet of the apes either but it would make it would make sense you know they're probably both in burbank you know and yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, um, I still like the look of it, though. Even though, even though that's still my ideal futuristic look when I, you know, when I look at movies like this or what, it looks less futuristic now. Oh, yeah. and well, just when they, like you know, some seventies, when they you know, open the when they push through the glass door and it's the same, you know, it's basically the same sort of you know system of door handle. And push bar, bar yeah. push bar on the other end of it, and it's just like, oh, oh. <laughs> go in here, Captain. <laughs> yeah. the, on the other side's like a snack bar with vending machines and stuff like that. I'm sure you know, <laughs> but you know they had to make do with. They had to, you know, they really had to scrimp on extras because if there were millions of crazy colonists there, there should have been just like roving. It should have been like Night of Living Dead or something like that. You know, there should, yeah. but you know, budgetary budgetary limits said no to that but I that actually would have been really cool if they had been more zombie like you know trying to not necessarily trying to like bite Kirk and those guys although that could have been cool too but just more zombie like where they were kind of like mindlessly trying to club them with, or, or with grab them and hold them down to 
to apply a jellyfish gel yeah. pad to their back. Here, yeah. put on the Dr. Shoals. You'll feel much better. <laughs> Are you gelling? I'm gelling. <laughs> I'm gelling like Magellan. Ha 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 ha. Now, did you, uh, <laughs> did you get a good look at Sam when, uh, when they turn him over? Oh, yeah. I knew that. I knew that ahead of time, so I was waiting for it. Yeah, I that's read cool. that little tidbit somewhere before, and and it just sprang to my mind just as he was about to flip his own body over. <laughs> and they did a good job of making him look basically different. He looked a little older. He had his little mustache, and yeah. And one thing well, I I think that worked to the de- detriment of this episode when we were kids, though, because you know with that fuzz of you know the the crappy way that it was shown when we were younger you know on on tvs and you know from film that was all marred up and right on tvs that weren't you know anywhere near high definition or what i i could never tell it just looked like a dude you know i yeah. couldn't tell that it was actually shatner so i thought that was pretty cool and uh, i remember as a kid thinking as soon as i saw kirk's nephew i was like oh no no please no because i i i sort of pictured in most tv shows it would have been a wesley crusher situation right where it's like mother dies father dies kids left with kirk on the enterprise and i was like and he's a little red-haired toe-headed kid and it's just like no i don't want that on the enterprise and they were smart (laughs) enough to not even let him regain consciousness yeah he never (laughs) revives yeah now i'm pretty sure that that kid does come back in another episode i think it may be the one with that evil burger king guy that you like so much i think yes that's the episode he's in but i'm pretty sure that same red-headed kid comes back to another episode yes i think you're right also, I got to. Uh, I was reading a little bit about this episode uh, before we started. Just you know, just kind of comparing w- the notes I had taken while watching it to what other sources say, and uh, something I had completely forgotten about. And I, I should have remembered this because I read not long ago that annual that you sent to me, that uh-huh. comic book, and there was a story in there with Kirk and his nephews, plural. There were there were three of them, and I had forgotten this. Huey, Dewey, but, and Louie. Well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Apparently, in uh, what the hell's that episode with Lurch in it? What are little girls made yes. of? There's a mention of of Sam in that episode, and it says that he had uh, three sons. So I'm kind of curious what happened to the other two because this one makes it sound like this kid is like the last, the last Kirk remnant. Yeah, the last you know member of Sam's family. You know that's why it's so important to to save him and all. But you know there there's the two others out there somewhere. Unless I, I guess maybe you could presume that they were killed on the planet too, and they're just not mentioned or something, but I don't, I don't know about that. And I was also was wondering, is this supposed to be the same nephew that came back in, uh, in phase two? Yes. They have the same, same name. Yeah. Same okay. Name. Yeah. I still haven't seen that episode yet. I need to watch that. It's a two parter. I haven't seen the second part yet, but I remember I couldn't wait to see the second part. It's been so long. I'll have to watch them both over again. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I know there's some controversy behind that well, one, and I'm not so crazy about the controversy, but I'd still like to see it. It's funny because it's also the one that when we saw him talking and I asked him the question about Kirk and he was talking about using Kirkisms, it's one that has a very obvious tribute to, to Shatner's yeah. Kirk elocution. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you know, Scotty's a badass in this episode. Yeah. Again, just like in the last month, Scotty pulls a phaser on Spock and, you know, tells him to back down or I'll put you to sleep for sure. <laughs> I love it. Damn, man. That's like out of the old <laughs> west, man. Cold, some cold shit from Scotty. I uh, noticed something for the first time rewatching this one. You know, speaking purely retroactively, a little bit of retroactive continuity here. Spock's line to Kirk, you know, after Kirk has seen his dead, you know, his brother's been killed and all that, and he's kind of collapsed against the wall for a minute to kind of, you know, regain himself. Spock comes up and then he just kind of hesitates, waiting for his moment. And then uh, he starts to say to Kirk, I understand. And Kirk just kind of cuts him off flat, you know, report Mr. Spock or whatever he says. That line now actually really works if you take Cybok into account. And I know that's kind of a dirty word to a lot of Star Trek fans, but, you know, Spock's half-brother that, you know, got... I think he was banished from Vulcan right. or something like that. You know, like I say, purely retroactive, but now that li- that line really works with that knowledge of, you know, what, what comes down the line. I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was very interesting. It was. I, I was like, oh, immediately they're gonna, you know, approach how Spock. And, and Bones was being kind of a, you know, Bones was actually had less bedside manner in this whole, at least early on, because he's like, Jim, is this your brother? You know, and he, it, it was just kind of, you know, he was like, I'm sorry, Jim, at one point, but he was kind of short about it at first yeah. you know and he seemed a little off to me in this episode in a way that i never really noticed because that whole exchange and i kind of wonder if this might have been a scene that was cut from this episode when we were kids because i don't remember this scene very much but the scene where he comes to the bridge and he's wearing um a different kind of uniform it's almost like a jumpsuit and he's got those like ganglia or whatever they are in yeah, the in and- the little you know that little container thing and he's basically explaining how the organism works and how it takes over the mind and all that and it was very interesting but i was watching that going wow i really don't remember this scene i i remember it oh okay but doesn't he seem a little weird in that because ultimately at the conclusion of his little spiel about how these things work his ultimate conclusion is there's well, nothing we can know. do yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what to do about no, it you i thought know? that well, was pretty consistent of just him okay. being emotional and overworked and i think he was just getting really you know whereas kirk and spock are in their command positions and spock's you know emotionless anyway and kirk is commander McCoy is the one who's really, you know, expressing the emotional. I mean, at this, it's like, do we wipe out millions of people to prevent this? Because they've already made, you know, at the beginning, Spock's explaining how there's been this insanity that's been going from planet system to planet system. So they put two and two together and they come up with a very, I don't think the next generation crew would have wiped out these creatures. They would have found out some way to communicate with the group <laughs> intelligence of it or something. But, you know, they come to a very non-sort of Starfleet-seeming conclusion of if we can't find a way to cure these people, we're going to have to, you know, probably kill, ev- planet, yeah, yeah. kill everybody, you know, kill a million people. 
And that's a pretty crazy thing for, especially in the last episode where Kirk was doing everything he could in the evil universe to keep the ship from wiping out the people on that planet. Right. And this one, he's, you know, I mean, he doesn't put a lot of, he's just like, you know what we have to do. We're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to wipe them out if there's a million people there that that are going to have to die if, if this doesn't work out. So the pressure was on with McCoy, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because uh, one of my notes was, uh, hey, no pressure there, McCoy, because I love the scene where they're in the sick bay and uh, a reeling, I'm pretty sure a reeling has just died and Peter is infected. Or no, I think it was a scene with Spock, actually. They, they just were talking with Spock and McCoy's doing the, there's not much I can do. And then they talk a little bit about Peter. And as he starts to walk away, McCoy says, you know, aren't you forgetting something? He goes, there's a million freaking people down on the planet. You know, aren't you responsible for them? And I'm thinking, Jesus, man, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, you know, he, he, he just seems a little inconsistent sometimes that, you know, first he's saying, well, there's nothing I can do, Jim. And then in the very next sentence, well, well, he's well you're responsible for all these people. He's pure, he's pure emotion. He's pure reaction. Yeah. You know, he can contradict himself all the time because he's, <laughs> He's yeah. freaking out all the time, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, Spock's right in that regard. He is he is kind of a contradiction of, of emotions and uh-huh. all that kind of... Now, I could not remember what episode this happened in. And I'm so glad it was in this episode. I finally got to see it again. This episode contains one of my very favorite Star Trek moments of all time. And it's a real short and simple thing. But uh, it's where Kirk... After the whole real dramatic thing with with McCoy and realizing you know his duty and all that, and you know what might be uh, you know be coming down the pike for his nephew and all that, Kirk beams down alone, and that shot on the stairs of Kirk beaming in, and it's like a it's like an upshot of Kirk, just this heroic stance as he beams. I love that. It's hard to describe how it looks. You just have to see it. But God, it's classic Captain Kirk, you know? Him just being, you know, the hero, just beaming into the scene. It, it's really cool. It's very dramatic, the, the pose he's got and everything. Of course you know, the it stir. is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Shat- Total probably Shatner. practice in the mirror in the morning. To They're, they're shooting <laughs> it from above. Honey, honey, can you get up there and look down? How do I look? You look great. Oh, bro. no, no. He's he's up like, like we're looking up at him. Oh, okay. You know? He's so, like, honey, yeah. honey. Yeah, <laughs> Get down very... at the bottom of the stairs and tell me how this looks. Yep, Should exactly. I look off to the right or to the left? <laughs> it's great, though. I mean, I'm going to have to f- try to find a still of that and put it up on our forum or something, a, a picture of that. But it, it was it was awesome. I really liked it. I love uh, when Spock goes down to collect the specimen that he's using a Sears Craftsman toolbox to uh, yep. <laughs> kick out of that. And, uh, you know, for the first time... I recognized a lot of parallels between these creatures and their like collective mentality thing and how they're going from planet to planet. I I find a lot of parallels with the Borg that would come along, you know, years later in TNG. And I always kind of wondered if maybe there was, uh, you know, if that was purposeful or not. The blindness thing with Spock, they could have kind of jettisoned that. Yeah, that was just that was just to add a little more drama to the whole proceedings. And you know, there was a lot of lot of um, sort of 
overheated scenes with Nurse Chapel too, you know, and yeah. belying her feelings towards Mr. Spock. And another thing, this isn't in my notes, but I just remembered this. Okay. So, you got the settlers there, and they're attack. Whenever they attack, you know, okay, obviously the place is, like, not, like, the highest tech federation place, because it's a, it's a colony, so, you know, it's cement and, and stuff like that, and there's trees, it's very terraformed. Why do the guys have to have space clubs? You know, why can't they just have a piece of metal? It's all like have to, has to be like a big piece of plexiglass or a wrench yeah, made a big, out of yeah. plexiglass. Big lucite block or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody's got like... Because it's the future! Exactly. Everybody's got their space clubs. <laughs> it's the future. We don't use wood anymore. We, we use pieces of lucite to beat people with. But yeah, maybe it's just my comic book background, you know? But that blindness thing is, it's so cliched to yeah, me now. It's I just... mean, because if, if you get a comic book series, if you're a superhero and you get a comic book series, if you run enough years, I guarantee you that somewhere in your history, you're going to have a I got, I'm blind episode. I mean, it happened with Booster Gold and Spider Man and Batman, probably Superman. Everybody gets their blindness episodes. So it just seems really cliche to me now when I see that. Yeah, there was no real anything to do with him. You know, he was just blind and then he was, it was blind and then not blind. It was, it was a total comic book sort of swiping away from, oh, yes, I had an extra pair of, you know, (laughs) whatever. Why the (laughs) hell didn't McCoy just hand him a pair of goggles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they wanted to test because if he gave him the goggles, they would. But here's the thing, that's stupid. Because it they is. were like, we want to test the whole spectrum of it, we don't have time to go over the harmless spectrums first. Well, it doesn't matter. You're not testing his eyes, you could still save Spock's right. eyes and be like, right. oh, alright, well you could see, but, you know, oh, well, you know, and then maybe later on go, well, you still got a little jellyfish creature in your eyes and then blind him. But, right. Yeah, well, you know, but, the, yeah the they could have given him... Yeah. He's like, I'll fashion... He was even like, I'll just take me a minute, I'll fashion you up glasses, and Spock was like, no, I must be blind in order to... Well, no, he says, uh, he says, uh, they won't have goggles down on the planet, Captain, or something like that. I'm thinking, well, those guys down on the planet aren't the first officer of a fucking starship either. You're kind of important, you know? You're kind of important, and it is unnecessary to actually do it, so, you know... Captain, um, I feel that I must be a martyr at this moment. Yeah, exactly. There's some unknown force called the writer operating on me right Right. now saying that I must do this. Lastly, this is my very last note, but I think that this one's a whopper because, again, this did not occur to me until this viewing, but uh, they totally need to go back to this planet. Because I got to thinking about something. Now, they use UV rays at the end of this to free everybody from the creatures. And it's like, yeah, thanks, Captain Kirk. Now the whole planet's got cancer. Yeah, and they act like they just invented UV rays. And we already got the UV UV ray, like, sunglasses and shit. So, you know, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but am I wrong? I mean, aren't UV V rays, like, really bad for you now? Didn't they discover that a few yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, every, yeah, they find out everybody. But they probably have some sort of thing that they can just wave over skin cancer melanomas in star uh, trek yeah, land yeah. but at the yeah, same that's p- true. i don't remember ever having heard of a of a star trek 
character that died of cancer. At the, so yeah, at the same rate, right. they said they don't have they that these rays would also penetrate everything, so that they would get all the creatures on the planet. When we all know that UV rays, you know, don't penetrate walls and stuff like that, shh, or sun shh. specially treated sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> But whatever, you know, it's it's, it's still, still, it's still fun awesome. to watch the whole planet glow yeah. pink and all the things shrivel up and fall off their... <laughs> and even as they're melting into puddles, they're still making noises. I love that shit. It's just like the Wicked Witch. Oh, what a world, what a world. Well, they, do yeah. the, they do the same thing in Star Trek 2 when Kirk shoots that earwig thing. Yeah, it, it spits and sputters right till and, and you know even when it's a puddle it's of goo, screaming. it's still it, long after yeah. it's whatever passes for lungs are liquefied. Yeah, awesome. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, take a little break and we'll come back with uh, DC Star Trek and more of the Mirror Universe. Sweet. The biggest, the newest, the most exciting of all the Planet of the Apes pictures. Climaxed by the spectacular Revolt of the Apes. The most awesome, the most horrifying spectacle in the annals of science fiction. First pampered as pets, then abused as servants, now oppressed as slaves. Security forces, police, militia, and reserve defense units. See that every entrance into the city is cordoned off immediately. Yes, sir. Our control methods to improve the use of tear gas and sedation darts. There will be but one control method. Shoot to kill. Ready! Aim! Fire! This will be the end of human civilization! And the world will belong to a planet of Watch the screen explode as man faces ape in the ultimate revolution. There is fire, there is smoke. In that smoke, from this day forward, my people will plot and plan for the inevitable day of man's downfall. And that day is upon you now! Start saving your quarters. It's almost here. Tron, coming soon to Two True Freaks. Uh, you know what's wrong with recording in the middle of the day like this? What? There's not enough vodka in it. <laughs> how how are you recovering from the other night there? Uh? Hey, I was I was I was doing fine. I was great. 
I think I have found the secret to my success. <laughs> it's vodka. 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 Romulan ale, man. I I supposedly there's some there's some Star Trek fans here in Rochester that I heard would trade Mexican food for Romulan ale. So oh. if you're listening, uh, I might be up for that. <laughs> Well, so what are we here for? Oh yeah, Star Trek comics. Star Trek comics, DC Star Trek comics number eleven. This is the February nineteen eighty five issue. I do not have a pre prepared um, synopsis for this one, so I'm just gonna wing it. I like the cover on this one. Mine. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Sutton and Villagran mind meld, and it looks like it's. Uh, Shang Chi, the master of kung fu, doing a mind meld with Fu Manchu. It's actually pretty cool. It's, it sort of does. You're right. <laughs> we open to Evil Kirk bitch slapping Good Kirk and saying, "Wow, you know, this is only the beginning of an invasion kind of thing." Um, well, I didn't give the uh, breakdown. It's, it's all the usual suspects: Mike W. Barr as the writer, Sutton and Villagran as the artists, and all that. And this picture it picks up. It's a direct continuation of what happened last time around, where. Uh, the Kirk from the Mirror Kirk, we'll call him. Mirror Kirk has seized control of the uh, Excelsior. And uh, we do get that moment that I was talking about, speculating yes. about last time, where Kirk confronts Mirror Spock and says, What the fuck, man? Weren't you supposed to put a stop to all this? And it's exactly like I, you know, I, th- I think we both were talking about that and, and said, you know, he's only one dude. And that's pretty yeah. much what he says. Well, come on, man. I'm only one Vulcan. How the hell am I supposed to overthrow the Empire? You know, he he needs like a Wookiee and a and a smuggler and a princess and a couple of droids to to be able to do anything like that. Just didn't work out. So, <laughs> yeah, Mirror- basically, that's the answer. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Just, <laughs> didn't work out. Sorry, dude. He, he should have totally said that too. Well, I, <laughs> well, first of all, I don't have a lightsaber. Um, second of all, so uh, Mirror Kirk orders them, you know, take them below type of thing. And they're trying to figure out, you know, how the Excelsior works because evidently they don't have anything like it in their own dimension or anything. And Mirror Kirk's people are stupid. Well, actually, before we get to that part, there was one nitpick I had where they uh, right away Mirror Spock gets on the computer, and right away we find out part of the plot with this has to do with, of course, the Genesis device because that was a big deal going on in both Star Trek Two and Star Trek Three that this follows up. And this kind of bugged me a little bit that Mirror Kirk gets all excited. Ah, oh, Genesis. And they're talking about it and everything. He says, uh, and they listen to Kirk's report about the Genesis planet. And he says, the Genesis planet, Spock, the record tapes of the Klingon Bird of Prey report uh, that the Genesis planet self-destructed. And I'm thinking, no, wait, wait, wait. We've been with them every minute since they've come to the the Starfleet universe. When exactly did they have when time? When did that happen? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. To, to 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 go over all these tapes and note all the notable things. Well, didn't they? I mean, they just took over the Excelsior, and the Excelsior had the Klingon bird of prey in tow. In tow with it, yeah, yeah. So when did they? This doesn't follow. I mean, they just they never had time to do that. Maybe you were supposed to forget between the month, you know, when when these issues came out or something. But I didn't forget. But uh, anyway, nitpicky, but still I thought it was worth pointing out that that just doesn't quite work. If this had been a movie, you'd totally catch it. You know what I mean? You'd go, yeah. well, wait a minute, when did that happen? 
Anyway. But you don't go out to take a piss for a month during a movie yeah. and come back. <laughs> Unless you had a Unless lot. Unless you're really old, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> might, I might go out for a month to take a shit, but yeah, not usually. Uh... Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> yes. Bowel moving on. Quickly moving on. This, I think, is an awesome scene, even though it shows that Mirakirk's people are incredibly stupid and incompetent. That as they're being marched to, I guess, the brig or something, suddenly Kirk hollers out, He's the imposter, shoot him! And the guy The oldest ducks. trick in the book. <laughs> it is, yeah. He does, but what's cool about that scene is even though it's a little bit hokey, then we get an action scene with every single cast member smacking the hell out of somebody. You know, Kirk, naturally, you know, he's the action hero. He belts somebody, but then we see Sulu and Chekhov knocking people about. We even see uh, Ahura. Like, karate chops some dude right in the nose. Yep. It's great. Uh, McCoy tackles somebody, which, you know, this is a comic, so you can get away with that. But in real life, I mean... That wouldn't happen. You know, McCoy was, like, 80 years old by this point. He <laughs> right. wasn't tackling anybody, you know? Uh, Scotty with the two-fisted roundhouse, man. I love it. That's, that's really cool. So they beam over to the Mirror Enterprise and quickly take over that ship by gassing the whole crew and everything. Kirk runs into Marlena again, which yeah, I don't know how I felt about it. A yeah, bit. I thought it was really stretching it. And she tries to take him out. She actually attacks him with a knife, thinking that he's Mirror Kirk. And he's like, you know, what the hell? You picked this exact moment to try to kill Mirror Kirk. And she's like, well, you know, I had orders. And it turns out that she's part of some underground resistance movement trying to overthrow the Empire. And they figured that this was their moment to try to attack, you know, when, when Kirk... Basically, I guess because he couldn't call for backup. You know, he's the sole Mirror Universe contingent that exists, you know, in this universe type of thing. I, I guess, anyway. It's a little bit weird and and Ed would be very distracted. Being that's the, true. Yeah, that's true. Getting to kill himself, the good version of himself, that must be you know ranking high on his things to do list. Actually, <laughs> you know, he's just like, yes, I'll kill him myself. <laughs> so. My favorite part uh, sequence in this entire storyline so far, though, happens on page eleven and twelve, where Kirk assumes command of the Enterprise, which is basically an identical version of ours with slight, you know, slight changes, mostly like cosmetic differences. And, you know, Kirk is kind of choked up to sit in the captain's chair again and everything because, you know, he says in this one part, you know, I just thought I'd never get to see it again, you know, meaning the bridge of the Enterprise. And Scotty is naturally, you know, he's all excited to be down in the bowels of the Enterprise again, you know, doing his thing. But my favorite part, though, is where... Styles steps up and is like, no, hang on a minute. You know, you're a traitor. I'm in command here. You know, I'm going to take the center seat. Kirk just belts him. <laughs> Knocks him it. unconscious that, with one punch. That's classic Kirk, man. He's like, screw you too. And he just knocks the yeah. guy silly. Mr. Chekhov, take, <laughs> take the captain below for a little rest, please. <laughs> with pleasure, Admiral. <laughs> I love it. They actually, Chekhov puts him on a shuttle and programs it to go to, like, the nearest star base to alert them to the invasion. I Maybe love it. that's so where that- they got the idea for Star Trek 2009 of throwing someone on a shuttle and just ejecting him out of the ship. <laughs> the <name laughs> okay, of an adventure. I got gotcha, you. Gotcha, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> This guy's annoying me. Get him out of here. There you go. Yep, just launch him out into space. 
Now, did you notice that Uhura is miscolored as Marlena on the bottom of page 12? Because that threw me at first. Because she answers for... Uh, yeah, he says... You're right. Yeah. And yeah. she says, I, sir. Yeah, it was... It was uh, I wonder well, if she's still wearing the Marlena costume. So, yeah. So they just got her confused with Uhura or something like yeah, that. Some, or the yeah, artist some... drew in the wrong character or something. So they launch, uh, they launch Styles off into space, and then they take off, hoping to get away before, I guess, before the Excelsior has a time to notice or something. But Excelsior is hot on their heels, and at this time, it was still believed that the Excelsior would have that whole transwarp thing and be faster than the Enterprise and all that. So they're you know hot on their heels, and Spock, meantime, has uh, a mirror. Spock, I mean, has gone off in his own on. Mirror Kirk's orders. He took over the uh, captured Klingon bird of prey, and he's gone to the planet Vulcan to try to extract the secret of Genesis from Spock. Now you'll remember Spock is still at this point. He's not doing so good. The Faltor Pan hasn't taken, and they don't come right out and say he's dying, but that's kind of the implication that yeah. it's working out that he's not going to make it. Mirror Spock lands on Vulcan. And this, again, I had some questions about this, too. How exactly did they land a Klingon ship on Vulcan? But he must have given some sort of clearance code or something because, you know, Vulcan Central actually, like, welcomes it him. Might to it might still be in the computers of the Bird of Prey since it was yeah. just at Vulcan. Because they're yeah. like, what, they're back already? Jesus yeah, you're Christ. right. We just yeah. got the house clean. <laughs> you're right, because Sarek does say that, too. He goes, what, they're back so soon? So, uh... Mirror Spock, Mirror Sulu, and Mirror Chekhov go in, guns a-blazing, and uh, Sarek is taken out. Then they shoot, um, what's her name, Talar, which kind of pisses Mirror Spock off a little bit because she's a really old woman. And then Spock's mother, Amanda, comes running out. And just as they're going to have like a mother-son moment, Sulu shoots her too, which forces Spock. You know, Then he requests, very much like the classic episode, your agonizer, please, and he puts it on Sulu. I like that moment, though. I thought that was really cool. And then Spock, or Mirror Spock, rather, engages a mind meld with Spock, and Spock reciprocates. So you've got these two Spocks locked into this battle. Mind meld. And then, yeah, it becomes like a battle of the minds type of thing. And we see Styles reach the star base, and, you know, we have to notify Starfleet immediately. He's doing his job. And we get um, the Enterprise and the Excelsior locked in battle, and Kirk pulls a little fancy maneuver to try to get, you know, get them out of danger. At which point, Mirror Kirk comes up with a pretty clever plan to uh, punch a communications beam through the Enterprise's shields and lock into their computer, and he activates the destruct sequence of the Enterprise, and Kirk. You know, does the whole voice recognition thing and all that. Tells the computer, you know, disengage right away. And the computer's like, uh-uh, can't do it. And we're getting the countdown, you know, 60, 59, 58. So in less than a minute, the Enterprise, the Mirror Enterprise, is going to be destroyed with our people aboard it. And last panel is uh, Spock and Mirror Spock locked into their deadly mind mill battle war thing. And next issue, the Tantalus Trap. And, you know, despite some nitpicks... I liked this oh, one. Oh yeah, this yeah. one this one fully exploits all the drama of Yeah, okay, there's going to be some problems, but boy, it it it, it does it's not pussyfooting around with I love <laughs> that it's Kirk versus Kirk and 
Yeah. And we sort of, they set it up because I like also that you sort of notice that the uh, mirror universe is not as technologically advanced that 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 system it, it's maybe a little editorial saying that you know the domination and destruction system doesn't isn't conducive for the the technology evolution either so you know they're they're a little behind on the times because of their aggressive ways maybe but then you sort of underestimate him, and then you know, as soon as as soon as Kirk pulls that man, evil Kirk pulls that maneuver, you realize, oh, this is Kirk versus Kirk. You know, this right, could be, yeah. uh, he, you know, that's that's a totally Kirk move, and and it sort of also is a nice little parallel with the with the movie destruction of the Enterprise. Yes, as here's just the opposite situation with Kirk disposing of his ener- enemies by destroying the Enterprise again, but it's just the opposite way. It's the bad Kirk. So I thought that was really cool. The yeah. the Vulcan part of it, eh, we'll see how that goes. I'm thinking there still might be a, a kernel of dissension in the evil Spock. He's a little kinder than, you know, he's still... He does punch out his dad, but he's glad to see his mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's... I that, still don't get the feeling he's necessarily evil. Even though he's... He's just pragmatic, you know, yeah. He's yeah. just sort of... Yeah. But... Yeah, that... But I, I'm, I'm digging the Enterprise stuff a lot more than the, the, the Vulcan stuff yet. But we'll see how that yeah. pans out. But I, I love how it's all... I thought... You know, Marlena coming back was a little cheesy. That was a stretch. That all seven, or I guess eight if you want to include Savick, but, you know, all seven of the classic guys are there. You know, we got Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Sulu, Chekhov, and Uhura. They're all there. They're Somebody all would have been together. offed. It's hokey enough, I think, that they're all still together in the regular Starfleet universe after all these years. But then when you add in the, the assassination factor and the backstabbing and everything right. that we saw in Mirror Mirror to the Mirror Mirror counterparts, yeah, that's really a freaking stretch. Because, you know? because in the good universe, they're all friends. It makes sense that they might right. want to be together. They work as a team well together. In this other one, it's it's every man for himself. So right, I think it would have been di- very interesting to have... Maybe maybe Sulu killed off, and I can't remember the guy's name with four arms from the animated show. Oh, you know, Eric like or maybe whatever? A, yeah, maybe a version of him with a goatee or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. And you know, and I don't think his name was, I think Eric's or Merrick's or whatever it was, I think that was the Catwoman guy. I can't remember what the dude with the three arms was. Somebody will tell us, though. I'm yeah, sure yeah. somebody will chime in and let us know on that. You go, you guys don't know your shit. But, uh, my my biggest thing that excites me, I'm just glad that I I really dug this issue because I was starting to get a little bit nervous because I remember liking this as a kid, but so far up till now, it's been kind of like, nah, it's okay, but it's not like rocking my world or anything. And I was starting to get worried about that because for one, I want to enjoy it just as much as I did first time around, but also I know how much it sucks when... There's a story that I remember liking as a kid, and either I'll reread it and I don't like it as much the second time, or worse yet, like so I'll see somebody online or something busting on it, and I'm like, oh, dude, 
So I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want listeners listening to us that are so excited that we're, we're getting to this awesome Mirror Universe storyline that they love so much. And then we're going, you know, this really isn't very good. I didn't want to be like that. So I'm glad that this actually is a really good issue. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed yeah, it. And I'm they're excited. in a pickle. They, yeah. they, what do you do with Spock, you know, as a writer when you when he's, you know? <laughs> right. He's not, reco- you know, they don't know what to do with him yet. Right. So... But I'm yeah. excited to see where this goes. I honestly can't remember where the hell this story goes. I, I remember snippets. I remember certain things that happened to the Enterprise. I remember, uh, uh, like, Mirror David plays a part and stuff like that. But beyond uh, that, yeah, cool. there, uh, yeah, I don't remember much. I, I don't mean to spoil it for you. I'm just, I'm, I mean, that's about it. That's about all I can really remember. So, I mean, this is going to play out in some interesting ways, I'm sure. And I'm excited to uh, to see where it plays out. Yeah, pull out your Star Wars, Star Star Wars, pull out your Star Trek comics and follow along with the freaks. Yeah, is that and, all we got for this one? Yeah, at least we don't have those annoying little beeps to turn the page every time. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R two D two beep like this. <laughs> You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear Captain Kirk sneak a cheek like this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back with the next generation and hopefully a few 30 to 40% less fart jokes. Impressive resume. I see you're flatulent in three languages. Graduated top of your gas. Got gas on your mind. Your son Rip is online toot. Try Gas X. Powerful relief from pressure and bloating in a fast dissolving strip. Gas X. Pressure's off. Excelsior, Spider Man fans. We're Thomas Mattis. And Donna Mark. And we want to invite you to the most web swingingest podcast around. Spectacular Webs Podcast. A podcast dedicated to one of the best animated superhero shows on television today. The Spectacular Spider-Man Animated Series. Where we review each episode of the series. We dive into music, art, and story. And web and special guests for interviews. All in our own slapstick comedic chatter. So if you're looking for one swinging podcast about your favorite web slinger, zip down to the Spectacular Webs Podcast at www.spectacularwebspodcast.podmatic.com Or search us out on iTunes by typing Spectacular Webs in the search box. And please remember to leave us iTunes reviews when you go to iTunes and fan mail at spectacularwebs at yahoo.com So until then, stay Stay spectacular. spectacular! Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Violence will not be tolerated on the Enterprise. The Enterprise plays host to feuding aliens. And the crew is invaded by an awesome power. Captain Picard, you are now relieved of duty. I judge you to be disabled and mentally incapacitated. Now, the captain's trapped in its deadly clutches. me! On Star Trek The Next Generation.
Okay, welcome back to the final part of the episode where we're going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation first season episode, Lonely Among Us. In this one, the spat between two neighboring planets would be almost comical if it weren't for the Enterprise's serious task of transporting their ambassadors to Parliament, a UFP diplomatic outpost. En route there, the ship passes through a strange energy cloud and puzzling malfunctions start to occur. Worf and Dr. Crusher then show bizarre personality shifts while attempting to attend to them. After an assistant engineer is murdered while inspecting the malfunctions, (laughs) Data adopts the methods of Sherlock Holmes. Oh, boy. But Troy's hypnosis of Crusher and Worf reveals that they have accidentally taken aboard a long, lonely life form. That's a weird kind of sentence. I'm actually reading this out of the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation companion, by the way. Uh, The creature is now looking for a host body to return it to the energy cloud. The crew is shocked when the being chooses Picard as its host. After apologizing for the damage it caused, the alien has Picard resign his command and divert the ship back to the cloud, where it beams out as pure energy. Just as Riker is about to take over the stunned ship, Troy senses that the union didn't work out. Ah, that sucks. Sure enough, (laughs) Picard uses the transporter circuits to rematerialize in his human form. Once again, the tired captain gives Riker the job of keeping the cannibalistic racist diplomats from eating each other. Cannibalistic humanoid. humanoid. Yeah, chud. They should have been. They should have been chud ambassadors. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. It would have been a hell of a lot cooler than this episode turned out to be. (laughs) I like this episode. I like it. Don't get me wrong. I do like it, but uh, it's kind of a snoozer at the same rate. It's not like it's packed or anything no it's i i think it's pretty you're just your prototypical decent episode of it you know with a couple couple different story elements and you know that you've got the ambassadors wanting to kill each other is just sort of a little fire under the other the plot you know a subplot that puts a little heat on the the other plot but yeah, and and I think a lot of it was an excuse to get Data to think he was Sherlock Holmes, and and I gotta call this out, man. Do you really think in this politically correct next generation Enterprise world that they would allow smoking on the Enterprise? Yeah, give me a goddamn yeah. break, especially by a bridge officer. Give me a goddamn break. He's puffing. I'm I'm like, really? Someone is smoking on the Enterprise? You gotta be kidding me. Especially how they've sort of bent over backwards to sort of snoot about how less barbarous they are. You know, we don't right. enslave animals, you know, ever since PETA took over as oh, world. Oh, God, don't get me started as, on that we shit. We don't enslave animals for their food. And, oh, my. And, and then you get that bullshit thing where they're like, but we heard, we saw humans eating meat. And he's just like, we have things that simulate meat that's just as tasty and Blah blah blah. So you're you're basically admitting that you basically he's saying we still eat meat, but he's still sort of lording it over these guys. These guys don't have the technology to make their own meat, right? And and goddamn it, if we're making simulators to eat meat 
back then, if those simulators broke down, God damn it, I'm having a steak. And where's that steak got to come from? <laughs> you know? Come on. So give me a fucking break. So why be so sanctimonious about it? I, 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 I found myself really liking the carnivores in this. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I, and they do a lot of what I do. Like when I'm around a vegan and stuff, it'll just be like, oh, man, that Big Mac I had today. Mm, you know, we had a particularly interesting animal so we took our time with it (laughs) yeah that whole thing was one of my biggest notes and biggest gripes about this was i just wrote down so you're telling me that all humans in the future are pussified vegetarians yeah that's that sounds like not though they're not they're still chewing you know i mean if okay so if those simulators are making meat, it's still meat it's making meat and blood and you know and viscera and all the yummy things that make meat uh, it's so, just, de- it was, so delicious and nutritious and full of healthy protein it's just Have the way it was worded today? you know what? we we no longer yeah. enslave animals oh, he was uh, well he was all right? haughty and sanctimonious you he know was. he took he was he very sanctimonious and, and every and you know and and then you know um what's it, the the security officers like they want the animals brought down here to eat and he's like well then bring them to them and they're all just like fighting did you see the look that she gave him when he was like well lieutenant yar was obviously confused and she gives him a look like you asshole (laughs) i mean she really gives him a nasty look (laughs) yeah i loved it confused fuck you (laughs) (laughs) exactly you're confused (laughs) asshole (laughs) confuse you in the ass here in a minute but that you know Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> not digging that veget, but that's that's the thing though is it's a cop out vegetarian future. That's why I, that's why I crack up when you have the vegetarians and they're making like not dog. They're not dogs, but why are you fucking trying to make a hot dog? That's a piece of meat. You're still trying to eat meat, you know. Uh. Ugh, it drives me absolutely nuts. <laughs> you know, this is one of those episodes. I guess I could look these things up, but as ah, we've established it. many times before, I'm one lazy <laughs> We're too lazy to look that shit do up. It. But this is one of those episodes, I'd swear that somewhere in that mix of alien ambassadors, there's a celebrity in there somewhere, I'm almost positive. Because a lot of times on Star Trek, they you know, on Next Gen, I mean, they snuck in um, celebrities as some of these different aliens. Because I know that, uh, what's his name from uh, Fleetwood Mac... Mick Fleetwood or whatever the hell his name is. Uh-huh. He's in one of these early ones as like a fish guy or some shit like that. You wouldn't <laughs> ever recognize him, but he's there. Well, yeah, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of celebrities that would love to be on Star Trek, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm but, glad uh, they put him in like fish face masks, too, instead of doing the Christian <laughs> Slater thing where they like yes. lean backlight themselves and lean up against the doorway like, hey, Captain... Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's still on deck five. <laughs> and I'm Christian Slater. Yeah, I know that shit drove me crazy in that movie. Um, I like seeing sensor maintenance. I don't think I, I've ever. I don't remember ever seeing this before. I wonder if that ever comes up again because it, it looked like they created like a whole new section for that. I just happened. It just happened to jump out at me. I don't know why. I guess. Because I feel like I've become familiar with all the standard set pieces. I like Troy's so when, Hypno Tool. I want one of those, man. <laughs> I'll bet you do. Um, all right. 
Here's another nitpick. All right, I, I get it. They're explorers. I understand that, all right? But this is different. This is way different from the lean and mean Kirk days when it was just a ship full of Starfleet op- officers. Now you've got the responsibility for not only, like, the families and the kids and shit that are on the ship, but also you're on this mission to ferry these supposedly important snake people and wolf people right. to this conference. Is it really the smartest thing to go driving right through the middle of the fucking anomaly? You know, they do this kind of stupid shit all the time, and it drives me nuts. Well, they and do, then they, they, they do this why. weird little thing where they go, well, it doesn't have any physical mass, and it doesn't, uh, it's only energy. Okay, well, we can fly through it. And it's not exactly. that big, you know? And it's like, really, you're not going to take into account after that three minutes of probing, you're not going to take into account any factors that you know, are unknown as has happened with every cloud that every Federation ship has flown through just going, okay, let's fly through it. You know, that's how Gary Mitchell got started. And that was kind of a mess, if you recall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Exactly. Yes. That, uh, you know, every once in a while, I think they need to err on the on the side of caution and just go, you know what? Well, they do that's, almost uh, every other time in the they encounter anything in the next generation why why is this time all of a sudden he's like screw it fly <laughs> through it ha 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 i'm captain yeah, Kirk. exactly well you know they they say something about uh there's some line that data gives something about you know how we i forget something about exploration or the the need for knowledge or some ridiculous thing and i'm thinking you know what drop a fucking buoy Call back to Starfleet headquarters. Say, hey, you know what? You might want to send a, a, yeah. a science vessel out here we'll, to check we'll this shit out. We'll hit it on the way. We'll, 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 while those guys are fighting on the surface of Parliament, we can go back and uh, check it out or something. Yeah. 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 There was a, I guess then you wouldn't have a show, though. Well, it's funny because this show, for, for them being such pussies, like... The guy, the guy that gets the guy, the, the crewman that gets wiped out, just sort of gets sloughed off. You know, uh, I'm thinking, are they going to even mention that somebody died? And then finally, you know, the entity at what, when he's in Picard finally says something like, you know, we regret the unfortunate incident with the crewman, and that's that. You know, they're not like, wait a minute, this thing's a murderer. You know, this my first thought when that guy gets killed was, damn it, now who's going to run the Slurpee machine? Is that totally wrong? Thank you. Come again. I'm sorry. That was totally wrong, I'm sure. We'll get letters. Well, he was but, a know. prick anyway. He just uh, he he was <laughs> you could tell he just he was an asshole. Fuck him, man. He deserved to die. Did you see how he just sort of sloughed off Wesley and was like, "Yeah, go to your studies." You know, Wesley kind of liked him. Wesley comes up with a brilliant Yeah, I know, but Wesley comes up with a brilliant solution like he always does and this guy's like, "Oh, good job." And then hops in his place and you could tell he's going to take credit for it. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, uh, "Don't you have class?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what you was... get. I'll make you disappear too, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The doctor's walking around acting all stoned and loopy and shit. Yeah. How stupid is the rest of the crew? Nobody notices that she Her acts like she's just completely out of it. I'm interested in your science, uh, geekery son, for a moment. <laughs> now I'll walk out like a zombie. Oh, yes, the bridge. Must go to the bridge. Yeah, it was... It, Are you all right, Mom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Must go and take over the bridge. Okay, Mom, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> must be that time of month. I don't know. <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah, she's walking around like she's walking to the wrong monitors and stuff, and they're just sort of like dumped at them. 
it's over here, you know, and and, and then and, there's and data. Data's like, I'm intrigued, you know, you're planning to take over the ship. How's that gonna fix people, you know? Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Right, never on. you mind, robot. Okay. Is is this <laughs> see in these early episodes I'm not quite sure of the command structure, but I know that later on down the road it's established that after Picard and Riker, Data's like number three in line. Maybe he's not yet in these early episodes, but still, he's a Starfleet bridge officer. He the whole note naive things like thing that. with him, yeah, yeah it, you know, I understand that they're trying to you know me- make him the mirror for humanity and all that bullshit, and have a childlike innocence and all, but. That only goes so far. When it puts the ship in danger because he's too fucking stupid to realize, um, hey, wait, you're a doctor and you're accessing this other critical system. And he he does question it, but then when she ignores him, he's just like, eh, fuck it, and goes back to his <laughs> huh. job. And it just seems really, yeah, you know, it, it pushes pushes my, it sounds like I hate this episode, and I don't. I did enjoy it. It's just, yeah, a lot of problems with this one, I thought. <laughs> but uh, I love that, uh, there's that moment, and granted, she suspects that there's something not right with Picard. But I love the moment where Troy questions the captain. She says something about, you know, perhaps you'd, you know, care to explain your decision or something. And he's basically like, "Bitch, I ain't got to explain nothing to you. I'm the fucking captain." So do you believe that a captain must explain every action? That no, sir, that's right. God damn it! <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but that was that Picard was always great. grows some balls when he's got an alien shoved into him. <laughs> I did like that, though. It was about time that he said something. Possessed or not, it was damn time <laughs> that Picard said, look, goddammit, I'm the captain. Every once in a while, I can make a decision without calling a committee meeting. Okay? Goddammit, get taken over by the Borg. It'll make a man out of you. <laughs> Walk it off. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to come right out and say it. The whole Data is Holmes thing, I just hate that shit. Stop doing it. Oh, just drives me crazy. I think he's supposed to be annoying. He definitely annoys the captain. Oh, is it? I oh, think okay. it's supposed to be annoying, but it well, succeeds it swimmingly. <laughs> yes. yes. Indeed. What room was that little mutiny meeting held in? I couldn't tell where that was supposed to be. I'm not sure be. either. Yeah. I liked it just because it had uh, that great big huge uh, original shuttlecraft model in the background. I thought that uh-huh. was cool. And I think there was an original, uh, like, one you could actually buy uh, an Enterprise model in the background, too. But I couldn't quite. That one was a little bit further back, and it was hard to place. But, like, right behind Troy in that one scene, there was that that great big, huge Galileo model. And I Uh, thought, oh, that was really cool. But I couldn't tell whose quarters or what room or whatever that was supposed to be. I think it may have been Riker's quarters, but... I don't remember ever seeing nice that uh, shuttlecraft before or since. Yeah, it was actually kind of cool. Although, did you ever notice that their quarters are kind of bland? Yeah, because they're all kind of bland in that future. <laughs> yeah. They don't got <laughs> the blood pumping point. through them like they did on the original Enterprise. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, Kirk had some interesting like little knickknacks and stuff. Kirk was on an These guys collector. Have... Picard sort of is, too. These guys are... And I know I've seen this pointed out somewhere, so I, I wish I could give credit where credit's due because I, I am kind of stealing this idea. I never honestly thought of it myself. But ever since I read this, it has stuck in my mind. Imagine if you were, like, uh, stationed in the Gobi Desert 
and then you go back to your quarters and every piece of artwork on your wall is desert scenes you know yeah. is that practice is that really what it would be yeah. like but if you notice in their quarters every every person i don't care if it's dr crusher or troy or whoever all of them have space art on the wall. The I mean, nobody has a picture of fucking trees or if anything. If I was or... a set designer, though, the, the, if I was a set designer, I would maybe stick to stuff like that, too, because hopefully it would stay. It wouldn't become, quote unquote, dated as fast or whatever, you know, even though it still does, even though like the carpeting and the way that, you know, the enterprise is modeled is still sort of 80s. <laughs> Yeah, style, yeah, I'm noticing you know, that future, more, more futuristic, now. you know, and I mean, original series is 60s style futuristic. So, yeah, you know, and and I'm sure anything, you know, the 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 Voyager and Deep Space Nine will be 90s style, have the 90s yeah. style to them. So yeah, you, you almost can't avoid it. No, you can't. You really Especially can't. But with yeah. a limited budget. I am starting to to notice that eighties uh, what what you dubbed damage you yeah, know there's before. the hairstyles and all that yeah. but you know it's well the part the and leather seating all over the place <laughs> is starting to really rich that, Corinthian yeah. leather there you go I was noticing that big time in this episode because there was a lot of close ups of like Jordy and his little lounge but chair. it's not real leather the they're not that barbaric that they would enslave animals and use them for the no leather I don't buy that because seat. they've got to be doing something with these animals if they're not eating them then they've got to be making rich Corinthian leather out of them otherwise be, the, the yeah, planet Earth in the 24th would be century would be overrun with fucking deer and cows so they've got to be doing something with them we just know? euthanize them we don't eat them Maybe that's what, like, photon torpedoes are made out of cows. <laughs> baby seals and stuff. <laughs> yeah, oh, great. I love it. <laughs> Load another baby seal. <laughs> I love it. Um, do you notice toward the end of this episode that there's a lot of parallels to, once again, Star Trek The Motion Picture and a lot of musical uh -huh. cues that were, like, right out of Star Trek The Motion Picture, but... What was weird was the whole resolution with what what made me think about Star Trek the motion picture the melding of the, the music but yeah the melding of Picard and this alien being and they're going to go off and form a new energy life form and live in this cloud got me thinking in that direction but then the the resolution at the end is kind of like the end of the motion picture in reverse where you know it doesn't work out and he comes back to humanity type of thing yeah but I, I thought that was cool. I, I did enjoy this episode. It's just not one of the stellar ones. And now I know why I didn't remember it before. When when this one came up last time as the next episode, I was like, Lonely Among Us? What the hell one is that? I I couldn't remember this episode. But it's it's not, like, horrible or anything. But, uh, yeah, it was it was okay. But, man, next time? Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, one of my favorite episodes. Justice. This is where an entire planetary society wants the same thing I want. They want to kill Wesley Crusher. Oh yes, I like this one. Episode. This yeah, one has I a lot it. this one has a lot of fodder for us in it. Oh yes it does. We're oh, gonna yes, have some does. fun on this planet, man. That's where yes. I want my shore leave. I'll take that risk. <laughs> Come to drop play with us. Hat. And I have lots of hats. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, I know it sounds like we should leave, but I need to fire up that Star Trek computer. 
Oh, you're right. You're right. I was just going to say. So we end it right time. That was a good, good way I out. I do not want right. to end it right there. I want to end it after we find out what number. Episode number 54 is. 54 it's, is. Oh, no. Well, all right. In all honesty, all I haven't it? seen this one in forever and a day. So maybe it's better than I remember. But this one is. Bread and Circuses. Oh, I love it. Do you? Uh-huh. I don't remember that much about this one. I remember just not liking it, I guess, which is not not fair. That's not a fair assessment. I didn't, I didn't like it. This is the one this why. is the one with the Greek gods and the and the little person, right? Uh, is that I don't Bread think and Circuses? So. No, I think that one's Plato's stepchildren. That children. is Plato's stepchildren. This is this the is, one where oh, maybe Kirk puts this. the lips to Uhura, maybe? Nope, that's Plato's stepchildren. The only thing I can remember about this one is that on the blooper reel, this is the one where Kirk and that big fat Nero-looking dude are sitting up like in a like on a throne or something, and the guy walks out with a sword and he goes, "If they refuse to move out on cue, screw them." And he's supposed <laughs> to say skewer them, and he said screw them, and it cracks everybody up. And that was in the blooper. That's the only thing I can remember about this that mu- episode. It isn't this the one with, with, with all the um, with all the brains under the bubble that that um, have battles for their amusement? Doesn't this have that I line? So. What are you doing to Lieutenant Uhura? Nope. That is uh, Gamesters of Triskelion. Oh, wow. That's the one where uh, I'll bet 100 quatlus on the newcomers. 400 quatlus on the newcomers. Yeah, that one there. That's, <laughs> That's right. Love them quatlus. <laughs> uh, just like Tranya. Well, we'll find out. So see, you don't, you don't I don't even remember episode. either. Yeah, so I'm loving it, man. We still haven't gotten to the one episode that I haven't seen yet, so I'm still dying for that. Oh, but okay. It was probably not on rotation. This one probably wasn't as on as much rotation on channel 11 when we were kids so awesome Awesome. i may have to watch that today just to see what the hell it's all about and there's all sorts of people right now face palming and going it is by the way palm sunday so people are when we're recording this so people are probably (laughs) face palming right now going it's bread and circuses you dumbasses you don't remember bread and circuses you idiots so write in with those cards and letters One hundred quatlus on the feedback. Visit our website at two true freaks.libson.com. Two true freaks.libson.com is spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S dot Libson, which is L I B S Y N dot com. You can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S C O T T. G-A-R-D-N-E-R Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. 
You can check it out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by DeManzo Corps of Milan, Italy and by the letters F and U.